Welcome to Click, Treat, Repeat. This is a horse-focused podcast discussing positive reinforcement training, equine management and welfare, and other horse-related topics. So let's get started. It's pretty standard for people to feed hay or grain or both just twice a day. I think that's common too. Where I worked, they definitely fed twice a day, but they did give it in like a pretty large net so it would last for at least a few hours, but it was still, you know, only twice a day. Yeah. Most of the places I boarded at, it was just, they'd usually feed like a whole bale, but they would feed half in the morning, half at night, and it would just go to the whole pasture. When Wonder was in stall board, they would get like a flake or two in the morning and then a flake or two at night. And they were supposed to be getting free choice hay in pasture, but they were very slacky on that. Mm. (laughs) That's what they were supposed to be doing. But I feel like the flake or two in the morning and at night is pretty standard. I feel like that's what a lot of boarding places offer. Yeah, I think you're right. I think that's very common. I know my horses get um, small meals of hay throughout the day, like every couple of hours. Overnight, they don't because Joe is asleep and she feeds them. But um, they get, you know, every two or three hours, they'll get like a smallish meal of hay, which I think it's it's good to kind of spread it out more. But ideally, you wouldn't even want to have to do that. Ideally, they would just have it at, you know, all times. Right now, my horses just get some hay in the morning, but they have pasture 24-7, so it's not really necessary. In the winter, yeah. I'm not sure what I'm going to do. <laughs> it's a little <laughs> trickier. That's going to be a process. It's your first winter with them at home. You're going to have to yeah. figure everything out. <laughs> yeah, I'm not excited. Oh, no. It'll be okay, though. It's, I don't know. I, I'm ready for it to be cooler, though. It's like just been way too hot. Yeah, I agree with that. It's just winters in Wisconsin are like six months long. Oh my gosh. (laughs) It's it's dreadful. Yeah. So one thing that I saw recently on Instagram was actually that Shelby Dennis, SD Equus, doesn't feed her horses in schedules. And I thought that was really interesting because I think most people do feed their horses in schedules, but she, I'm not like, you know, completely familiar with how she feeds because all I saw about it was someone had asked a question about it and she just like posted the answer on her Instagram story but she was basically saying due to her own convenience she doesn't feed them at like a set time she kind of just feeds them um whenever you know she gets around to doing it and she said that that also although she does it mainly for her convenience it also kind of prevents the horses from like I don't know getting stressed and like expecting the food at a certain time because they like they don't just don't know so they're not necessarily like thinking about it constantly and like at that specific time getting stressed if the food is isn't there. So I think that's really interesting because in general, I think schedules are what most people do and they seem pretty okay if you're like consistent to them, but there also could be value in like not being consistent with the schedule and just kind of feeding at random times. Yeah. I don't feed at a specific time for any of my animals. Like there's a general time frame that I'll usually get around to it. I mean, Sage's diet and feeding schedule is the most consistent because he's on behavior meds. So he kind of has mm-hmm. to get that at a normal time. But like for the dog's dinner, sometimes they get fed at 4.30, sometimes at 6.30. And with the horses, sometimes I give them hay and their daily feed at like 6.30 in the morning. Sometimes it's 10. Like it really varies. I have found that that makes them a lot less anxious about feeding time. 
Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And I think like the big thing about that is if you are going to do that, it's probably good to have like some type of food available to them. Like, you know, your horses are in pasture and stuff like that. I mean, dogs, not as much because they're not, you know, grazing animals like horses. But for horses specifically, I feel like having like some type of food available is better for that because then they have something to do and they're not kind of just like waiting for the meal. Because I do know that like at work when I would be feeding the horses and obviously there's like research to support this too, but like I would notice when I was feeding the horses, they know like when it's their time to get fed and they are very stressed if they don't get fed then. And I think that's largely because they don't have, you know, hay in their stall at that time or grass or something to be eating to kind of take their mind off of it or just provide a different source of food. I think having something available is definitely beneficial, even if you are on a schedule. I don't think it's strictly for only horses that are on a normal feed schedule. It can be anyone. Oh, yeah, I totally agree. (laughs) Yeah. I did find one study by two people or three people that I will not be able to pronounce their names, but I can <laughs> I can link it in the show notes. But it was 10 weeks long and they started observing the horses an hour prior to feeding and continued watching them for two hours. There were eight horses ages one to 12 years old. They had their own stalls, ad lib hay. They got a barley oat mixture three set times. On Thursdays, it was at five, and then Saturdays was at seven, and then six o'clock every other day. So they were recording long-term behaviors like eating and resting every five minutes and short-term behaviors like stress things you would see like kicking, pawing continuously. So the whole time they were observing them, they were looking for those things. Uh, Compared to regular feeding time, horses spent less time consuming hay, more time resting, and less often took a look towards the door during the earlier feeding. The ones with the delayed feeding performed the pawing, uh, kicking, discomfort behaviors, and looking at the door more frequently. That's about all that's on that study. And It is a pretty small group, but I think that's worth mentioning. Yeah, I think I actually read that study as well. And I think that is really interesting because it it definitely shows that schedules like could set up the horse to be in an, in a stressful situation if you aren't able to stick to it especially like if you're going later than the schedule and then it's leading to more of those like frustration behaviors i think in general like schedules aren't necessarily a bad thing but they're just not natural to the horse and i think like the reason why so many people go on schedules like that is probably largely because of anthropomorphism like they probably are thinking like oh i want to eat two meals or whatever or so you know i'm gonna then feed my horse two meals like part of the same reason why they might like put a blanket on their horse because like i'm cold so my horse should wear a blanket and obviously also just due to convenience like the horse needs to get like the grain and so it's just convenient to give it in two meals but Yeah, I think a lot of people just don't realize that horses, like their needs and their feeding routines should not really mimic human routines. I think we just kind of like to give them care that mimics what we would want as care, which is not what they necessarily want. Yeah, I agree with that too. And there's also things that probably happen just because of how horses were treated originally, like they were working animals. So they're on the field harvesting crops or pulling buggies for like 12 plus hours a day so it made sense to feed them before and after it's the same reason why they got like cereal grains and stuff like that that aren't really recommended anymore because they don't need that with the workload they're getting right now 
Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I never really thought about that, but I think that makes sense. Um, And in general with grains, I think a lot of people give grain possibly more than the horse needs, um, especially horses that are in really low work. I think it's just kind of normalized, like, okay, my horse needs to get this grain. And I think it's often like really kind of sugary grain. Like I remember when I first got Coco, she was on like a really, really high sugar senior feed, which she was a senior. So like kind of makes sense that you would think you want to go to the store and like pick out the feed that seems to fit with your horse's demographic. Um, And that's just what she came to me on. So I kept feeding her that. And she really at that point did not need to be on that grain. Like she was very overweight. She needed to be losing like at least a couple hundred pounds and to be healthy. And we were still feeding her like a pretty large amount of the senior grain because I was just, I didn't know really much about it. So I was just keeping her on, you know, what she came to me on and just being like, okay, well, I'm just going to keep feeding her, like keep her routine consistent. And then it ended up not being like a good situation because it was way more sugar than she needed. So I think there's also just kind of like a norm in the horse world of like, you need to be feeding these like yummy looking really like high sugar grains and actually this also reminds me at work there's this one girl who is really really nice and um she was leasing a horse and she was telling me about the care that she gave the horse versus the care that the like actual owners gave the horse and like why her care was superior and like a lot of her reasons were really good but one of her reasons was that she was feeding the horse like I don't I forget how she described it but it was like I don't know like moist like molassesy grain that's like much tastier and so like it was just very clear that she didn't really have a knowledge of like what an ideal horse diet is which I don't blame her for at all because it's not really the information isn't like widely known for people who are just you know riding or leasing or whatever and don't go out looking for more information like it's not really widely available unless you're like really looking for it so yeah I think that's also part of the issue is like what type of grain people are feeding yeah for sure and it's been my experience too that people automatically just go to their vet for nutrition information and Normally, I think a vet is a good source, but from my understanding, they don't really get a lot of education on nutrition and how to properly feed a horse. I have one friend who has a horse with metabolic syndrome, and they were feeding a sugary diet. The vet recommended they get off that, but they recommended to keep the ration balancer, and the one that they were feeding was still keeping this horse really heavy. He was obviously overweight. And they didn't Mm. mention anything about like managing his grass intake or feeding specific hay types. They just kind of said to take him off the normal feed and only keep the ration balancer. So I feel like there's kind of a disconnect there too, knowing who to go to for that information. Yeah, that's definitely true. I definitely have also had that experience with vets potentially like recommending food or telling me certain food is okay that like ideally probably shouldn't have been okay. There was a different brand of senior feed that was basically being fed to Coco without my consent. And she was supposed to be on different food. And they just like started feeding her a different food because she was underweight, but still like I was the person in charge of her medical care and her owner. So they definitely should have consulted me because like there's a reason why she's on low sugar food. But anyways, I ended up like having to ask the vet basically because I was like, well, they're already feeding her this food. Um, I'm going to like ask the vet. And that was just like, yeah, that's fine. But it still had probably like probably over 15, but under 20% NSC, which is like a good amount. So I was just like, uh, okay, the vet <laughs> maybe isn't like the best source. And I'm sure it varies from vet to vet. Like I'm sure there are some vets out there who do have really good nutritional knowledge, but I think just kind of being aware that's not the vet's primary area probably and kind of 
taking some of the things they say, like don't, you know, totally discount what they're saying, but just understand that like they have a wide range of knowledge and they may not have specific knowledge on like a certain aspect that's more outside of normal vet care. So probably varies by the situation with each vet. It's definitely important to know what your vet specialty is, because obviously there's going to be some that are really knowledgeable on seed and how how much your horse needs and what they need. For me personally, I haven't found one in my area that really knows that stuff really well. I kind of have to dive in and do my own research. Yeah, I think that's probably a really common experience. And I think that also kind of goes back to like why you should try to have a good relationship with your vet. So you kind of get to know your vet and get to know what their, you know, areas of expertise are and what areas they may not have as much information and just in general know what to expect from them. Because I've definitely worked with older vets, like the vet that actually saved Coco's life and he passed away, but he was in general, a really good vet, but he was older and like pretty traditional. And so I kind of like had to take what he was saying like knowing that context that he was coming from that type of background and that type of situation, because he still had a lot of valuable things to offer. But ultimately I kind of had to like step in and be like, okay, I'm going to kind of sort through this information and keep some of it. And the more traditional stuff that isn't really supported by research going to kind of throw that part out. Yeah. I do that a lot with any research I do for the animals, because I think a lot of the older studies and information is equally valuable, but sometimes you do have to sift through and kind of look at the newer stuff too and find what is most accurate. Yeah, that's really true. Whenever I'm looking for studies, I usually like filter it by 2017 and newer because I'm just like, okay, I really want to see like new research. But honestly, there probably is a lot of value to the older research too. You just have to like keep in mind that it is older and there may be new thing, newer things that have come out. One thing that I've seen people asking about in relation to feed that is really random, but I just thought maybe we could cover here is can horses eat straw? I was in kind of like a group chat on Instagram where someone was asking this. And I've also just kind of heard in general, like one person that I follow on Instagram mentioned that they feed straw actually as the primary forage in their horse's diet, which I was really surprised to hear. But in general, I think that's just like a question people have and something that's not super common, especially in the US. So do you like have any information about that? Or do you want me to talk a little bit about it? I've seen a lot of conflicting stuff, so it's kind of hard to know what's accurate and what's not, because I haven't looked at specific studies on that, but I feel like it's probably not very nutrient-dense, so if you are feeding that, you're going to have to supplement it, which you have to anyway for normal hays and grasses, I guess, so it's not really that different, but I'd be worried about like impaction and stuff like that. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I think basically the information that I've seen about it is that, like you said, it's not very nutrient dense. It, it is a really good source of fiber, but it doesn't have like, you know, other vitamins and things that the horse would need as much as other types of hay or, you know, things like that or grass. But I think one really good thing about straw is that it is like pretty good enrichment for horses because they have to kind of pick through it. It's not necessarily like high quality hay where they're going to just eat all of it. Like there, there's going to be certain pieces that they don't want as much or, it's just in general, not as, as high value of a food to them. So they're going to pick through it a little bit more. And so I think maybe mixing the straw with a higher quality hay, or even maybe using the straws bedding could be um, really positive for the horse to be able to kind of pick through that. And if they're, you know, in a stall and they don't have other access to hay at that time, they can have um, the, the bedding made of straw. And I actually found an unrelated study, but it was talking about how you can actually use 
edible bedding in order to improve the welfare of the horse in the stall. So I thought that was really interesting. Yeah, that is interesting. I mean, I think using it as enrichment is a good idea because like you said, they're not going to just devour it. When we got our last haul of hay from our hay dealer, uh, he had a bunch of hay that was just, it was still hay, but it was like starting to get dry and he was having a hard time selling it. So he kind of just told us to take some for free (laughs) and tell us how it went. So we did take a couple of bales of that and they did sift through it a little bit, but then eventually they just used it as bedding and slept on it, which is also fine. That's another good enrichment to have a different texture to sleep or walk around on. So I think it's it's not a bad idea to involve it in your horse's life, but I don't think I would use it as a main source of feed. Yeah, I think that makes a lot of sense. That's basically how I would feel about it too. There was one study, I don't even know if it's necessarily a study, I think it's more just an article, I guess. It was by Equisearch, I couldn't find the person who actually wrote it, like the specific individual, but uh, they said that alfalfa and oat haze are higher in calories, and they'll put more weight on horses, which I think is really good to note, because alfalfa is really commonly fed. A lot of people offer alfalfa, or even just alfalfa, and no grass haze. And yeah, yeah, they also said that with grain haze, horses that are easier keepers, like insulin resistant horses and things like that, might also have problems with hindgut acidity issues and probiotic deficiencies and things like that. And that the extra protein in alfalfa can cause problems with bloating or diarrhea if it's not completely digested and absorbed by the small intestine, which I think is also interesting because I was feeding an alfalfa grass mixture when I first got Phoenix and he constantly had diarrhea and he had like an enormous hay belly and it was partially from worms because he was very wormy when I got him, but Mm -hmm. it was significantly less when I put him on the lower quality grass hay. Wow, that's really interesting. Yeah, I didn't really know that. I mean, I did look into feeding um, alfalfa to Coco when she was having weight issues and needed to gain weight and ultimately didn't because of like basically Googling can, you know, horses with Cushing's and laminitis eat alfalfa? And they were like, kind of, but it's not the best for them. So I was like, okay, I'm not going to feed this, but I never really like looked into the specific information about it. So that's really good to know. Cause I think you're right. A lot of people do feed it or I think you know in general horses tend to really really like alfalfa so people are like oh my horse loves this like I know my horses really love alfalfa so whenever we have it they're just like really excited (laughs) and it I think makes us want to feed it more if they're like really seeming to enjoy it yeah I think so too and I mean I think you can use it I think you just have to be cautious like I'll use alfalfa sometimes for training or I'll put it in the feeder balls that I have but I don't use it as their daily grain or in the form of hay so really Mm -hmm. they only probably get like a pound or two maximum a day of alfalfa yeah I don't think my horses really ever get it regularly but there was like a couple times that we got in like some bales of it and we were like oh nice they really love this (laughs) Yeah, it's really hard to not just give them a bunch when they love it, but sometimes it really is for their own good. Yeah, (laughs) I think another thing that's really important that I think is really commonly known in the like positive reinforcement type of community, but maybe isn't known overall is that you really need to get your hay tested if possible, like to see what's in your hay so that you can actually balance um, the, the nutrients that are needed. Because I mean, you can try to feed a balanced grain 
But if you aren't testing the hay, you don't really know like what your horse is already getting a lot of, or maybe not getting enough of. And I totally get that. It's really hard for some people to do that. And like, I don't test my hay because I don't own the horses and Joe doesn't test the hay. So like, I totally get that it's hard to do that. And a lot of people don't do it, but if you do have the ability to do it, I think that's a very important thing to do. Yeah. That's something I plan on doing, but I'm kind of pushing it off because I'm trying to make sure that this hay source is reliable. I don't want to, <laughs> I don't want to test the hay and then we get hay somewhere else. I don't yeah. think that's reasonable, but I do plan on testing mine. And right now they just kind of get a copper zinc supplement and then they also get lysine and magnesium. And I think all of those things are pretty good for balancing, even if it's not exactly the right amounts without your hay tested. I think it's a good starting point. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And like you definitely can get a somewhat balanced diet without testing, but like if you can, I definitely think it's a good thing to to do. Yeah, at least if your hay is consistent. <laughs> if it's not, yeah. it might be, <laughs> be a little more challenging. Because you also don't want to be changing around their grain like super frequently. Um, I think that's another thing that I found when I was looking at different studies. I forget exactly what study it was, but they were talking about how it's really important to measure the food in each meal if you do feed in meals um, and in general, like even if you don't with grain, like you would want to measure it very accurately and consistently. Like you don't want to just be like putting a couple handfuls and like you don't really know how much because like, first of all, you just want to know how much your horse is getting for the purpose of balancing the diet. And also obviously like big changes in feed or even small changes in feed can have a negative impact on the horse, like especially stomach wise, I think. So yeah, like if you constantly have to change the grain because of changing the hay, I think that also could have a negative effect so it's probably good in general to keep a fairly consistent base hay but obviously if you have to get different types of hay that's totally understandable like sometimes you have to you know get from a different person if the one person isn't consistent or reliable enough yeah I think it's it's really hard to not you know have to do a sudden variation in their diet if you're like testing different hays and yeah Yeah, it can be complicated too when you don't have control over that. So obviously you don't have to, like your horse will survive, they'll be okay. But it is probably better to have a consistent hay, even if it's like a different cutting. If it's from the same farmer, it's probably pretty similar. There's some variance, but it should be relatively consistent. And then also with your feed or grains, whatever you offer, you want to make sure that's pretty consistent too for the same reasons. I mean, a lot of horses have issues with colic or just general gut issues. So I think it's sometimes better to be a little extra cautious. Yeah, I totally agree. And I think in general with grain, like the less you can feed to still have that balanced diet and still get them enough nutrients, probably the better. I mean, I think feeding high amounts of especially high carb grain is probably like a pretty large cause of colic and ulcers. I mean, horses in general, like as a grazing animal, they really should have like a high fiber diet with very few carbs. And so if you're feeding a lot of those high carb things, I also found a study that shows that it will affect the microorganisms and bacteria in the horse's stomach in negative ways because it increases the production of lactic acid. And that I found from a study by Bonham Florentine and other people from 1988. So that's kind of an older study. And they also said that if you have large amounts of grain, really just like large amounts in general, like regardless of what the content of it is, it can disrupt the mucosal barrier in the digestive tract, which would basically cause gas to accumulate in the digestive tract 
Grain can also delay how quickly the other stuff the horse has eaten can move through the digestive system. Like it can slow down that process and stop some things up. And they also said that high grain fed horses drink less water for some reason. So in general, like if you can keep it to a lower amount, I think it's good to minimize those possible negative effects on the stomach. Like you really don't want to be changing the microorganisms in there. Like they need to have their healthy (laughs) microorganisms and whatnot in their stomach. Like clearly I'm not a scientist. I don't understand science, but But like I get the gist of it from the study. And in general, I don't think you want to be disrupting those type of things. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Click, Treat, Repeat. Feel free to check us out on Instagram at Click, Treat, Repeat Pod. You can find Jen at Genuine Equine and myself at Bonafide.bt. We upload new episodes every Monday and hope to see you then. Happy training.